friend, and welcome to the Originality Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Dalton, and I am so excited to have you here. Today, we're going to be talking about the history of the Enneagram. It's kind of a hot topic these days, and I think it's important to know what we're learning about in terms of personality, where it comes from. I think in years past, as people have learned about personality, they haven't, they've kind of just jumped on the bandwagon of like, oh, these are the fun stereotypes of it, and oh, these are caricatures of my my friends and my family and oh that's funny haha and like not really known where it came from more recently there's been a lot of controversy around the Enneagram my aunt was telling me she has a friend who like left her church because they were really into the Enneagram and she really believed it was an evil thing. And my aunt was like contacting me like, oh my gosh, like, do you know of resources that I can share with this friend so she can go back to her church? And that's, that's just crazy to me guys. Like, (laughs) um, I think it is really important that we know where things come from and that we make wise informed choices that we think critically about, um, what we believe, why we believe it, um, that, you know, we don't bring something into our home, you know, just haphazardly that we really think through what we're welcoming into our lives, what we're listening to the entertainment that, um, we're absorbing and the Enneagram is no different. I want to educate people on the history. I've done a lot of research, reading books of people that teach on the Enneagram in order to have a better perspective and idea of where it comes from. And to be completely honest, uh, there are some things about the Enneagram's history that are kind of shady, especially for believers. And I think it's important for us to know about those things, but also I, we're going to talk about this in a later episode, but the Enneagram is a tool. And if we stopped using all the tools in our lives that had a shady history associated with it, then we wouldn't go to hospitals. We wouldn't use essential oils. We wouldn't, um, use electric guitars in our churches. We wouldn't, um, I mean like there's like, it's endless. Like there are so many things in our lives that have an associated dark history, but it it doesn't mean that they're not useful. Even like, a lot of modern psychology comes to mind. A lot of the fathers of modern psychology had some really weird ideas. They weren't Christians. They had some theories that had a lot of truth to them and have been really powerful for modern use, especially by Christians. And some of their ideas were just straight up crazy. Um, but it doesn't mean that we throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think it's so important that we learn logic and reasoning and how to think critically for ourselves and we empower other people to do the same and we aren't afraid to learn about the things in the world that we don't understand but rather we have enough faith in what we believe and in who our God is and in the word of God to not be scared to talk to an atheist about what they believe as if they could persuade us that what we believe isn't the truth. So the history of the Enneagram, um, there's, there's things about the Enneagram that are 
rooted in ancient Greece really as long as the world's been around because there's a truth to it that kind of transcends modern understandings of psychology. So if you think about what science does or what psychology does or really any form of academics, it's making observations of things about the earth and then putting academic words to those observations. There are things that have always been true, have always been around, have always existed in nature, but we're putting uh, language to that the existence of that thing. So because there's been this understanding that people are all unique and all there's there's no two people alike. Uh, but there's a lot of similarity between people and yet people will rub up against each other's differences and that can cause conflict. There's been some sort of understanding of each person has a different, uh, maybe they didn't use the word personality, but different sort of journey or path or um, thing that they struggle with or that they face. So one of the oldest examples of this would be in Homer's Odyssey. Odysseus travels to the nine lands and in each land he faces off some monster, some something that he has to fight off or overcome. And they're all very symbolic of the nine, um, they, they parallel the nine types in the Enneagram. Um, they parallel the nine types of the Enneagram, but in it's actually in the reverse order of how it's taught in modern times. So it's actually in almost a numerical order, even though there is no clear like number system to it. It's just the nine lands that he visits. So to at least some extent, um, an understanding of people facing different things has been understood that long, as long as Homer's Odyssey has been around. Um, there's a lot of things like like numerology uh, created by um, kind of uh, some of Pythagoras's um, number theories parallel uh, things that are in the modern Enneagram. There are things from Plato. Um, you said Pythagoras's? Yes. So Pythagoras uh, was an ancient Greek philosopher. He created what is known as the Pythagorean theorem um, that yes. you probably learned in school. It's like uh, geometry, right? Maybe. <laughs> Math's not my subject. But um, yeah, so he created... Um, had a lot of philosophy surrounding numbers. Uh, there's a uh, understanding of three intelligence centers that the nine numbers fit into. And that is very Plato. Um, Plato, you know, he talked about head, heart, gut. So that idea of those intelligence centers is really derived from Plato or Neoplatonism, which was a movement after Plato. So what a lot of Enneagram teachers will say is that there's a version of the Enneagram in all these different religions. Um, I think they're hyping it up. I don't think it's um, what we know of the Enneagram today has only really been around since the beginning of the 20th century. So they would say it's found in all these different things. But if you actually looked at it, you would be like, this is totally something different. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So they're, they're, they're pointing out that there's some sort of understanding of it that dates much further back. And that's true. Like in the complete Enneagram, she goes into, uh, 
for each type she talks she she reads excerpts from the odyssey and from dante's inferno that correlate to each type in very powerful imagery um yeah so and i mean dante's inferno it relates to the seven deadly sins so there's only seven of them the seven deadly sins have been assigned to the, the enneagram types and then they created two extras um <laughs> sounds like they're like reaching a little bit a little bit <laughs> so they assigned uh deceit to type three and fear to type six and the idea is that you're going towards the opposite of whatever the deadly sin or passion is that your number struggles with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So really when, when Enneagram teachers talk about, oh, the Enneagram is so ancient. We don't know where it comes from. Well, there's some truth to that, that there's been a version of it um, in Jewish mysticism, in uh, Sufism, in Greek orthodoxy. But it's really this understanding of people struggle with these things and we work towards the opposite of that struggle. Mm-hmm. It's, it's And we always have. Like, yeah. it's this old because it's just relatable to us as humans. Exactly. Not that they would call it the Enneagram or that they knew that you know, thousands of years later we'd be talking about it in mm-hmm. this way, but they were talking about it and we're talking about it just because this is our experience and we've created this word for it and these nine numbers for it just to help us just talk it out. So... Gurchiff. G.I. Gurchiff was born in the late 1800s and he lived in a town uh, in Armenia. He was kind of at a crossroads in um, this town where uh, people would travel to trade um, from all over. And so he encountered a lot of different religions and philosophies growing up and um there was a lot of syncretism which is combining religions um in the town that he grew up in and so he kind of became a student of all these different religious traditions and that's where people believe he came across the enneagram was through the sufi sect of islam they had an understanding of People having the, these nine ways of uh, being that they um, over, yeah, it, there was an understanding of the Enneagram uh, in Sufism. He, G.I. Gurchiff, he put the Enneagram to the diagram that we use today. And he contributed the intelligence centers, which are the head, heart, and gut. So numbers. Um, eight, nine, and one are in the gut triad, two, three, and four are in the heart triad, and five, six, and seven are in the head triad. So he's the person that like decided where they would go. Yes. Wow. And um, he is super weird. Um, like, I'm not going to lie. He has some pretty shady ideas about religion and um, was really fascinated with the occult. And um, he... Um, 
yeah, he had a school where he taught people that the best way to learn is through choreography. So he would like teach the Enneagram while people were moving. <laughs> like, wow. I think I had a uh, theater class once in high school that we did something <laughs> similar to that. And it was a very weird experience, but uh, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, it was about something completely different, but Hey, yeah. So, um, he would, he's known for going to parties and, um, telling people what kind of idi- idiot they were based on their Enneagram type. Um, Riso and Hudson, the Enneagram Institute, they really attribute their stuff to Gurchiff, um, what they teach on more so from him and, um, built their, their understand their version of the Enneagram more off of his teachings and their version of the Enneagram is a little harsh, <laughs> or at least I feel like it is. I mean, I, the Enneagram can be harsh, period, um, but theirs is definitely more direct, more um, just kind of cutthroat. You suck in this way. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and, and so you can kind of see that, like where they derive that from Gurdjieff. Un- unrelated to Gurdjieff, Oscar Ichazo developed his version of the Enneagram in South America, and he added, in addition to Gurdjieff's diagram, he added on top of that the arrows and the subtypes, the three subtypes for each of the nine types. And so he taught it at his Arica school, it's what his school's called, um, in 1970, and somebody named Claudio Naranjo was there, and um, he took the Enneagram to the U.S. and taught it at Berkeley in his group of people he was teaching. They were all psychologists, so they added a lot of modern psychology to the Enneagram and developed it more so into what it is today. Somebody, uh, a, a student of Oscar E. Chazos called Robert Oakes, he took the Enneagram to Loyola University and taught it to all of his Jesuit students. Jesuits are um, a monastic group within the Catholic Church, and um, they're very missional-minded. And so um, they took it around the world. They would use it as a tool for spiritual discipleship, and there was kind of this underground movement within the Catholic Church of developing their version of the Enneagram between the 1970s to the 1990s, early 1990s, books started coming out and being published on the Enneagram. And it started becoming more of a thing. But up to that point, it had stayed relatively small, more in like, you know, people teaching people they knew, groups that were local. Um, There wasn't published material on it. And so because of that, there's all these different versions of the Enneagram that have been developed by different people. Um, They've derived it, you know, some people have derived it more from Naranjo or from Ichazo or from Gurdjieff. Some people um, have added a lot more of a Christian understanding of sanctification to it. You know, some other people have added some other weird things. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it's kind of this like baby that's gotten tossed around like I don't I don't I don't know why that's the analogy but it's it's um poor baby (laughs) I don't know why that's a thing (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love it um it's it's there's kind of this like living breathing growing thing yeah 
there's not one version of it. And especially in the last couple of years, it's become so popular that there, there isn't like this concrete, it's, it's, it's a developing theory. It's not a solidified, this is the Enneagram. There's lots of different versions of it. It's, it's a, it's, it's sort of like a psychological theory. It's a theory of how humans work, um, what we struggle with, what we need to overcome, what our blind spots are, what we contribute to the world. And there's a lot of truth to it. Obviously people are resonating with it. Thank you.